Hello. Good morning. The uh, scripture reading today comes from Galatians chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 10. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some uh, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Teamwork. Dream work makes the teamwork, right? Hey, <laughs> one person's laughing at that. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're here, seriously. You have a lot of places you could be. Have you guys ever um, went through, go through the struggle of getting something new, like especially a new and or different computer program? I mean, just your productivity just, just dies, right? It just, and you're so tempted to just not upgrade or not get the new, but just stay with the old because it's, it's so hard to change. Your new stuff can be very, very stressful, even, even new things like a new phone, right? My wife has an iPhone. I have an Android, so pray for us. <laughs> yeah, I pick up her phone. She's driving, and I'm like, it doesn't work. What do I do? And she feels the same way about mine. So it's just one of those things, right? But, but if you sometimes get a new thing, there's a learning curve, and it's so much easier to just stay with the familiar and stay with the old. And what we're going to see in Galatians today is that there was a new gospel, which means there was an old gospel. Well, I'll explain this, but the, the stress that these Jews had to embrace the new gospel, they, they, they just couldn't do it. And they didn't. <laughs> That's what Paul is all about. He's like, the new gospel is way better than the old gospel. So that kind of frames you know, in a quick, simple way what we're doing here. Anyway, just welcome to Grace Life. A quick question for you. Why are we here? What are we doing here? We are here not to get a list. I'm not going to give you a list of things you should have done, didn't do, could have done. Uh, lists come from the Spirit of God in our own situation. And so uh, my list might be different than your list, okay? So no, you got a list? Matt is like, dude, you have a list. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, we are forgiven, we are loved, and we are here to hear from God. So that's kind of why we're here, all right? So you are on your journey. You are in the middle of becoming like Jesus, as I am. And, and we extend grace to one another because nobody here has got it dialed in, right? That means there's rough spots, and uh, we need to apologize and seek grace and extend grace. And when we do that as a community or a family, um, it, it gets rich. And so I just want to uh, take a second here and, and make sure we understand we're here to hear. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Galatians. Thank you for the freedom in the true gospel. We pray that we would learn more about you, your love for us, and that that love would trigger a willing and secure response of obedience in our hearts as we follow you. Amen. So, that's why we're here. We're here to hear. And today, we're... Oh, wait a second. That, that doesn't look right. Those people. Hmm. It's a bit off. All right. Anyway, so um, Galatians. The outline. The whole book is about 
a defense of the gospel. First two chapters, he's defending his apostleship, right? I am an apostle. You can trust me. That's the basic sense of the first two chapters. Paul's gospel is not for man. It's from God. He's not dependent on others, and he's not distorting the gospel. He was accused of both. Chapters 3 and 4, defense of Paul's gospel, experience, scripture, history, everything shouts you're saved by faith, not by following the law. The last two chapters, kind of practical, freedom from the law, freedom of the spirit, his gospel way of life, and that should be our gospel way of life as well. So that's kind of where we're going. Just want to make sure you understand that. But, but why, why study Galatians? It is a great book. It's one of my favorite, condensed, it just feels thick and rich, right? There's, there's no, like sometimes you're, you're reading a book and you got to kind of go through a couple chapters of whatever to get to the good stuff. Galatians is all good stuff, okay? So uh, Martin Luther said this about Galatians. The epistle to the Galatians is my epistle. To it I am, as it were, in wedlock. It is my Catherine. He was married to his wife. Yeah, it's kind of like out there, right? Anyway, what it means is he really liked the book. It, it was one of the cornerstone books where he studies this. He's like, wait a minute. I don't have to give money to the church to get forgiveness? Scripture says I'm, I'm saved by grace alone, not by grace plus giving these guys in funny robes a bunch of money. So that's that whole thing. So Galatians, it, it unpacks what, what does it mean to be justified by faith? What does it mean to live by faith? And what does it mean to be rightly related to God? And so the questions we're going to look at today swirl around those people. What kind of people drive you crazy? Oh, those people. Those people that drive like this. Those people that vote like this. Those people that spend their money or eat or drink or whatever. There's always those people. The gospel of Jesus, there's no those people. Everyone's included, right? So what gospel do you believe in? Are you believing in an old gospel? Or, or have you really come to grips in a practical sense of the new gospel as it relates to Monday through Friday, navigating our world with those people, all right? And then how do you define yourself? So we have a lot of, uh, a lot of deep questions we're going to get into today. So just a little sequential thing. I, I want to help you understand it. And I don't want to lose you today, but I'm going to kind of go deep dive into some history and background and stuff, which really I think unlocks Galatians. You're like, wow, that's cool. I understand it now. But anyway, in terms of chronology, Galatians is between Acts 14 and 15. All right. So, uh, you know, a lot of scripture, it kind of overlays in terms of history. It's not like, you know, they don't like Matthew wasn't the first thing written. And you know what I mean? Anyway, so I'll explain this in, in, a, in a bit. But just remember that Galatians is between that. One reason is Acts 15. If you look in your Bible, it's the Jerusalem council where they're wrestling with the question. Hey, when Gentiles are, are, are saved, do they have to do the law as part of the salvation? Or, or not. And Acts chapter 15, they say, no. Well, the whole book of Galatians is the same question. Hey, do Gentiles have to do the law to be saved? And so if, if Paul already had Acts 15 available to him, Galatians would be like as short as 3 John. It would say, um, no, as already determined in Acts 15. Go, go read Acts 15. Okay, so because he's wading through the whole thing, making this big argument, and, and a lot of other reasons, it seems wise to understand Galatians as just before that. Okay, so 
And this is kind of fun. See, we got one, two, three, four. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just like to, I like anything that, any tricks I can use to help me remember stuff. So after the first missionary journey, this is in a book, this is Acts, Acts 13, 14. He writes one epistle, okay? On the second journey, there's two. On the third journey, there's three. Figure that out. Okay. Anyway, that just helps. And then when he's in jail, he writes four. So whatever, that's, that's the deal. Here's the first missionary journey. We're going back to some, uh, what, what other book I talked about. But he starts in Antioch. He runs all the way up in here to this. Now, Galatia is a region, not a town. And these are towns, right? So this is the realm of the first missionary journey. And um, when he comes back, he writes Galatians from this Antioch. Now, heads up, there's another Antioch over here, but that's... Um, that's different. But now here's a key verse from Acts 15. This is Acts 15 where they're struggling with that question. Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's pretty clear. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dis dissension and debate with them, that, that has to be an understatement, right? No small dissension. Anyway, um, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others who were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles um, and the elders about this question. Okay, they were appointed to go to Jerusalem about this question. This question. What's the question? The question is, in the capital letters, do, do you have to do the law to be saved? That's the question, okay? Um, the tension from, the, you, you got to remember, when we're in, in the New Testament, we read the New Testament, they're not in the New Testament like we are. They're living it. They don't have the New Testament. They are still in an Old Testament mindset. Any time you read in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, they're in an Old Testament economy, a framework, because they're, they're living out the, the introduction of the new gospel. So you and I have a great advantage. We can, look, we can look backwards and forwards. So the tension of going from the old system, the, 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 the law, to this new gospel, that's the tension. That's the question, this question, the question about what do we do with the new versus the old. So they're going from, they're, they're upgrading from salvation 1.0 all the way to salvation 10.0. All right, it's a big deal. It's not just 2.0. So you get that. All right. So can Gentiles be saved without following the law? And, and if they're saved, how much like the Jews do they have to look? And, and are, they, are they brothers? Are they weird, kind of like awkward cousins? I mean, are they full family members? Or, or where, do we, where do we put them? So the, all these questions are swirling around this. Now, just to zoom out and, and remind us all that the heart of God always included the Gentiles. It's not some new thing that he's like, oh, hey, this would be a good idea. No, all from the very beginning, all right? You go back to Genesis 12, and um, who is blessed? It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. Uh, I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you. And then listen to this. In you, all the families, plural, of the earth shall be blessed. From, from, from the very beginning, God's plan through the Jews was to bless everybody, the Gentiles. And then you've got um, Rahab, you know, she comes in, and you've got Tamar and Ruth, Bathsheba, Matthew 1, puts all those women in the genealogy of Jesus. That just shouts, this Messiah is for everybody. This gospel is inclusive. 
Now, that word today in our culture, sometimes we kind of get, you know, nervous about it, but the gospel is inclusive. There are no those people. Everybody is included, all right? Even in John, uh, John 10, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they'll listen to my, the Gentiles. He's talking about not just the Jews, it's broader, okay? So, Galatians is about this tension, the old system, the old gospel, following the law, and the new gospel, and, and all that means especially for these Gentile people who love God, do, do they still have to do all the Old Testament stuff? That's, that's part of the deal, okay? All right, so chapter 1 and 2, we're just going to do 10 verses here, but this is where we are. We're, we're in the realm of defending Paul's apostleship. This is what he's talking about. And so we go to um, verse 1, Galatians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle... Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God and all the brothers who are with me. Okay, first off, what's an apostle? An apostle is simply disciples plus authority. This is Matthew. He simply says, uh, he called his 12 disciples. He gave them authority, blah, 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 blah. The names of the 12 apostles are this. So you have disciples. Jesus gave them specific and special authority. That's what an apostle is, okay? So that's, but notice it's the authority. And so we have lots of gospels. We have four gospels. They're all, they're all good news. They're all written from a specific author to a specific audience, highlighting and emphasizing certain specific things so their audience would get it, okay? That's, what the, that's, that's our exposure to the gospel. But now what's the gospel? Okay, a gospel is good news recorded like we have in Scripture. The gospel is good news of Jesus' victory over sin, death, and darkness, his new kingship, his new kingdom. So that's the gospel. That's the Bible's perspective of the gospel. Um, but here's the question. Were there other gospels? Because Paul says a different gospel. Yeah, there were other gospels. We've been through this before. Hellenism and also Old Testament Judaism were, were, the, were that cultural's good news of, of how to relate and how to respond and how to live, okay? And so going back to the book of Mark, remember Hellenism, that Greek culture. Alexander was an evangelist for the Greek culture, and they, he built this Greek Good news, it will save you. We're saved through education, healthcare, entertainment, and athletic competition. This is the gospel of that culture. Even the word gospel was not invented by Bible authors. It was something in the culture that had been there about six or seven centuries, this idea of, of the Greek salvation through, through the culture, okay? And so um, I've read this to you before. I'm going to read it again. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have it on the screen. But anyway, you can read along with me. But the, just to help you understand the cultural understanding. So this, this, is, this was found um, by Miletus. It was at an inscription outside of town, kind of praising Caesar Augustus for all he is. Citizens of Pyrene. Since divine providence has brought to us life and the most perfect good in Augustus, whom she filled with the virtues of the benefits for all mankind, bestowing on us Augustus Caesar as Savior of the world. For he has put an end to war and brought perfect peace by the epiphany, catch that, of his birth. He brought the gospel, same word as in the Bible, the gospel of peace to all mankind. For that reason, the Greeks of Asia have on this day declared that the New Year's, the new year should begin from now on, and on the 23rd day of September the day of the birth of this God, that, that Augustus. Never will another gospel surpass the gospel that was announced at his birth. 
Now, that sounds like a Christmas verse, but they aren't, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Caesar Augustus, okay? Uh, not only is he Lord of the empire, but Lord of earth and the calendar of time itself. So that just gives you an understanding that these people had a gospel. When Jesus was born, there was already a gospel. That blows your mind, right? That's easy to misunderstand, but you get the sense, okay? And so um, Jesus is portrayed, especially in the gospel of Mark, as the better teacher, the ultimate healer, right? The, the entertainer because he's debating with the Pharisees and wow, he astonishes, 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 right? And then he battles the Pharisees, especially the last chapter of, of Mark, but that's, that's just how he's portrayed. Now, remember, when Jesus was born, he was not born in a vacuum. He was born into the most complex social, religious, economic, political situations in history. It is just, I, I remember in seminary, the intertestamental period, I just, yeah, I, I just, it's so complex. Anyway, I won't, I won't, I'll start to twitch if I, uh, anyway, so, um, not good memories, but, um, but I passed the class, and so here I am. Anyway, so, um, barely. So, we, um, we have religious voices. We have Pharisees. There's two different groups of Pharisees, and they show up in Scripture debating, the, debating things. There's the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, and the Scarii. The uh, Scarii, they were carrying daggers, and they would kill Roman officials in public. Terrorists, all right? You have professional voices, the scribes, the publicans. Cultural clash between the Samaritans and the Jews and the Romans. And, and this is like radical cultural differences. Political voices. You've got Rome putting the shadow over the whole area. Then you've got the Sanhedrin and the Herodians, pro-Herod. And, and so you have all this stuff here. Now, the Sadducees and the Herodians loved the Greek culture, all right? But the Pharisees and the Essenes and Zealots did not. And so your response to the Greek culture created the culture that the New Testament is occurring in, okay? Anyway, so we'll just, um, just, just to paint that, um, paint that picture. So there was a different gospel, and when Paul says the different gospel in Galatians, he's not referring to Hellenism. He's referring to Old Testament Judaism because these Jews want the old way. They want their old phone. They want their old software system. This is how we used to be saved, and this is how it's always been, and, and I'm not going to lower my standards for some whatever weird story you're talking about, they, they're, they're not going to do that. But that's what they thought. Okay, so kind of clutch in, shift here. We're going to go to Acts 13 and, and take a look at what is going on here because this shapes the context. Remember, Acts 13 comes before Galatians. So what's happening there shapes everything in Galatians, okay? So we'll go to Galatians. Now, Acts 13. Paul and his companions came to Antioch in Pisidia. So we already know where that is. That's in that Galatian region. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Yeah, that's what they normally do anytime you're traveling there. That you, if you're a visitor you, at the synagogue, you, you could speak. They would invite you to speak. And so, um, but this Galatia, the, the reason this is important, as you already saw on the map, Antioch and Pisidia is right on the edge of this bigger Galatian region. Okay, now... 20% of the Jews in, in that area, I'm sorry, 20% of the population in that area were Jewish, all right? And these Jews lived way far away from the Roman influences of, of their religion in, in, um, in Israel, Judah, Canaan, that area, okay? So they're like, we live here to get away from the influence of Rome, 
So they're pretty uptight about we're, we're, we're not doing Rome. We, we don't do Rome, okay? Um, they're avoiding the corruption. They tend to define themselves by what they do not do. And so they go into the Sabbath and they sit down in um, <laughs> synagogue and they hear the churches. And so they, this is where they are. They went from Antioch over here. This is a city and this uh, Galatia is a region, okay? Now, they get in there, and uh, after reading from the Law and Prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word and said, Brothers, if you have word of exhortation, please speak. Now, in the context here, there's only two guys. There's Barnabas and Paul. And they have joined the synagogue reading of Scripture. And they say, Hey, brothers, Paul and Bar- uh, Barnabas and Paul, if you want to say something, now's your time. Everybody knows about Paul. I mean, right? I mean, he's the guy that, you know, last month was killing Christians, and now here he is. He's a spy, you know, but but let's hear Paul. He he was discipled by Gamaliel. It wasn't like a month before, it was years ago. But anyway, he was discipled by this, the the, the top rabbi in Judaism called Gamaliel. And so, I mean, you're like, if Paul's in your synagogue, you're like, dude, you got to say something. Your journey, what is going on? How does this work? But what happens here is very interesting. It says, standing up, Paul motioned with his hands, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. So they invite both of them to speak up, but Paul is the one that stands up. Now, this is like a, like a bunny trail side note. This is super interesting because up to this point, anywhere in Scripture, it's Barnabas and Paul, blah, 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 Barnabas and Paul, blah, 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 Barnabas and Paul. After this moment, this is where Paul becomes the teacher. Barnabas gives him the baton, and from this point, Paul is just going. But, but it's really fun to see Barnabas' humility as he, as he does this, okay? It's a defining moment. Um, just as, as a reference here, going back to Acts 9, that's when um, um, the Damascus and Paul was blind and stuff. But anyway, it says in Acts 9.22, Saul, that was Paul's name before he met Jesus, Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, when it says he increased in strength, that word, think apologetic strength. He's not like benching 550, okay? He's, it's apologetic strength. And so he's, he's learning how to reason, and he knows the Old Testament, and he's, he's proving to, G, to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But, but Barnabas... Is, is in the picture here, okay? Um, in Acts 9, then he goes to Jerusalem, and he wants to meet the disciples, but they're afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. Yeah, the, the old, I am a disciple, then I kill you ploy. They're like, yeah, no, I've read about this. No, I'm not, I'm not letting you in. But verse 27, Acts 9, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas brought Paul to the apostles, and he declared to the apostles how on the road Saul had met Jesus and how he preached boldly at Damascus and people got saved. Okay, so that's, I just, I just find it interesting that we, we lock in on Paul, but we, we often overlook Barnabas and what a critical role he had in, in, in um, walking and working with him. So there was um, persecution in Acts 7, 7 and 8. Stephen was, was killed, um, and that persecution was down here, but people fled everywhere, but a lot of people fled right up here to the same area, okay? And so that's, um, that's what we're seeing here, too. There was a great persecution, um, and so people fled up there, all right? So um, 
And then you go to Acts 11. They go here to the person, they go to that area. But listen to this. Uh, Those who were scattered because of the persecution over Stephen went to Antioch. Traveled as far as Ant, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, Greek-loving people, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord is with them. A great number believed. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. This is fascinating. So there's persecution. People scatter. They go up to Antioch, and some of these people from, it says they're from um, Cyprus and Cyrene. So I'm like 70, 80% thinking they're not Jewish, but they're believers. So you've got Gentile believers preaching to non-Gentiles, the Hellenists, and the Hellenists are becoming saved. That's blowing their minds. And so what Gentiles? They're called God-fearing Gentiles. Okay, that's just what they're called. And like I said before, can they worship God with us? Sure, of course, but... What does that mean in terms of their standing, in terms of their fellowship, in terms of their identity? Those are the questions. Okay. Now, in, in that region, there were, uh, remember, two groups of Pharisees, Shammai and Hillel. Um, but one of them is super strict, Shammai, S for Shammai, S for strict. And then Hillel, three L's, not loser, but liberal. Okay. And so um, Hillel was liberal, but n- both of these people would not accept a Gentile as an equal brother, okay? Um, Shammai w- was like, sure, study the Torah um, and do all that, but, you know, it's really not going to do any good until you just completely become Jewish. Follow the law, the whole nine yards. Especially the Gentiles who worship well, God are stuck like, well, what do we do? We're, we're not accepted. But I'm hearing about this new gospel that says I'm supposed to be accepted. Well, what do I do with this? And hey... Jews, hello, don't you understand the new gospel? There's this big debate. This is the question. What do we do? Okay. So the Jews in that Galatia area are like, we came here to get away from the low standards of Rome. We're not going to lower our standards and let you guys come in and be like us. We're not going backwards like that. No. We define ourselves by what we don't do. We don't do Rome. Okay. And what you're talking about sounds kind of like an easy road. It sounds like a low bar. It sounds like something Rome would do. So the, the Gentile God-fearers are at best social rejects. At worst, can't even be saved because they don't go with the Jewish system. And so that exclusion was complicated by two other background things. One, they were tempted then to worship Judaism, in the, God through the, the lens of Judaism, embrace the law. Now, th- th- this is the different gospel that Paul's talking about. Don't, don't embrace the, the Jewish law. It can't save you. It gives you no inheritance. There's no power. There's no peace, no joy. And so that's, that's what they were doing. But, but what do they do? They got no other option if you're in that area. I, I want to worship God, and everybody in charge of that system says I have to be like them and do the whole law. So they sign up, and they, and they go in. And Paul's like, don't. Don't do that. But there's another political background thing that's fascinating Back, you know, Herod was a powerful, super smart guy charged with keeping peace in the whole area, okay? Uh, he's called the, he was like a fox. He's very, very clever. And so it was a, it was a, um, a capital offense to not worship the emperor. In Rome, emperor worship was a thing. You have to, and they would literally come to town, pull out their sword at your throat, worship the emperor, or you die. And that, that was a thing. So that's an awkward deal because Herod 
is in charge of the Jews, and the Jews are just not on the same page as Rome. So Herod tells Caesar, listen, you are never going to get these people to worship you. It's just not going to happen. I mean, kill me now if you want, but that, that's just not going to happen. So, but if we do this, how about, and the Jews propose this to Herod, how about if we give a sacrifice for Caesar Augustus, and we'll pray for him, but we're not going to pray to him. We're not going to sacrifice to him. And so Herod, Herod proposes this to Caesar, hey, you know, the Jews are willing to sacrifice for you every day and all this, and for him, not to him. And Caesar's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so it's called the Jewish exception. And there's kind of like little fine notes in history about how Herod outsmarted, you know, Caesar with his little four and two kind of thing. But anyway, the Jews, where I'm going with this, the Jews had a Jewish exception. The, the Roman soldiers come up and they put the, the sword to your throat. You're like, I'm not Jewish, but I'm a Gentile, but I have converted to Judaism. So here's my get out of jail, the Jewish exception card. I don't have to worship the emperor because I'm Jewish. And the Roman soldier would... Um, put his sword away, and you would go about your day. So that temptation, right? If you're a Gentile God-fearer, you've got this pressure to worship the emperor. You're like, man, if I sign on with the Jews, I, I have a free pass to avoid that whole hassle with worshiping the emperor. And you're starting to see now when, when you believe in the gospel of Jesus, you don't get a jail, get out of jail card. You're, you're on your own. So there's temptation for that. So basically, the Jews, in response to the, the, the gospel equality, are like, we're not going backwards. We came out here to be different. Our standards are high. The Gentiles are saying, um, we're going forward. We're following the Jews. But Paul is like, yeah, but the Jews you're following are really going backwards. And so it's, it's, um, it's not going to work out like you think. So these, th these issues created three people groups. Do you see the three people? Brothers, that's one. Sons of the family of Abraham, that's two. And you God-fearing Gentiles, that's three. To us has been sent the message of the salvation. So Acts 13, Paul is, he's still in the synagogue speaking, you know, talk, talking through, goes through the whole history of the Old Testament. But those three things are super important. Here they are again. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and God-fearing Gentiles. Here they are. Brothers are the Jews, ethnic Jews. Family of Abraham, those are Gentile converts to Judaism. And then you have God-fearers who are um, also interested in worshiping God, but maybe didn't convert all the way, all right? So everybody agrees that the first two are fine. If you're brother or son of the family of Abraham, you're, you're, you're fine. But what do you do with number three? What, what, what do you do with these God-fearers? They haven't converted to Judaism. What, are, are they brothers, cousins, family? What, what do we do with them, all right? They were rejected until they converted to a different gospel. All right? So Paul, um, he gives this whole summary of their, their, their history, and I'll just highlight a couple things. He, he goes back, um, yeah, the Jews, you were in Egypt, and God destroyed Egypt. And then you went to Canaan, and God destroyed the Canaanites. And then you had Saul, and God removed wicked Saul. All three, they, they converge with the theme of unbelief. The Egyptians didn't believe, the Canaanites didn't believe, Saul, you know, he's got issues. And so you have this, this, this argument that unbelief invites judgment. And that's, that's, what, he's, that's what he's saying. Um, and then he goes on here, check this out. This is an interesting verse here. Um, 
brothers, sons of the family, Abraham, you God-fearing Gentiles, so the three groups, to us, that's all three groups. You see what Paul's doing? He's including number three, the God-fearers, saying this message of salvation is also for number three. Because this whole culture is freaking out of their ever-loving mind with number three. What do we do with these Gentiles? And Paul's like, this is what you do. They are included in this salvation. Okay, that's, this, this is like a big deal. And then the very next verse, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterance of the prophets by which are read, this has got to be a jab, every Sabbath. <laughs> every, you guys have been hearing this every Sabbath and you can't figure it out? Come on, man. That is just fascinating, right? Um, interesting. Remember back in Mark? Who is the one that figured out Jesus is the Son of God? It wasn't his family. His family says you're crazy. It wasn't his disciples. They never got the picture. It certainly wasn't the professional religious people. Of all the people, you would say, hey, here's the deal. God becomes man. He goes to earth. Who do you think is going to figure it out? His family. Probably his closest students. Probably the religious, really smart people. No. It was the Roman centurion at the end of Mark. Surely this is the Son of God. And if you read Mark, you're like, I didn't see that coming. Except if you read Mark carefully, you're like, okay, yeah, I did see that coming. Anyway, so I just, I just, I just love this, which are read every Sabbath, all right? Okay, I just, this, this tension between the Jews and Gentiles, it's not over. It continues on and on and on. Even in 2 Peter, way down the chronological timeline, listen to, listen to the language of 2 Peter. Uh, very first verse of 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. To those Gentiles who have obtained a faith with equal standing with ours. So by that time, it is a done deal, but you still have all the emotional baggage of I don't think and should we and could we, okay? So I just think that's... That's interesting. So the gospel includes, it doesn't exclude. And, and just, man, a practical, powerful word of encouragement here. We live in a world where we are invited to divide and differentiate on, on our zip code, our income, or how we vote, or how we do all this stuff. It's just, there are so many ways to divide and boycott this, and I'm against that, and, and we can so easily define ourselves by what we do not do just like these Jews. And the gospel doesn't really say no, it, it says yes. Obviously, if you reject Jesus, that's a whole other issue, but okay, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that. The thing that I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with is that Jesus lived under the Roman Empire, brutal, corrupt, uh, uh, abusive, and yet he doesn't boycott anything. He doesn't start a campaign against and against this. He, he figured out how to love the Father and love other people under the umbrella of the Roman Empire. And I'm like, I think I have a shot at this. I mean, I live in a weird place, in a weird time, but I think, I think we have a shot at this. If Jesus can learn how to love the Father and other people in his culture, I think we can do this, all right? But, but he doesn't make the transformation of culture his number one thing. He makes abiding with his Father the number one thing. And then other things happen out of that relationship. Okay, so, and then back to Galatians here. He says, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting him. 
Now, this is the thing. Paul, back when Paul was in Acts 13 speaking to these people, he said the same thing, the same word. He said, look, you scoffers, be astounded, astonished, and perished. I'm doing a work in your days. Paul was given this speech, but he's thinking of Habakkuk 5. Look among the nations, wonder, be astounded, same word. I am doing a work in your days. You wouldn't believe it if you're told. Now, this is where he kind of twists things a little bit, and, uh, and that's okay. But um, what he's saying here is that in Habakkuk, their unbelief resulted in Babylon's judgment. God's bringing Babylon and cleaning house, and that was Habakkuk. That's why he's like, why, why, why? I don't get it. So this is Babylon's judgment, but over here he's saying to you guys, every Sabbath— Really? You don't get it? Every Sabbath. And, and, and you can't see that unbelief invites God's judgment. You want out of judgment? Believe the Messiah, his son. That is where Paul is going. So I think that's kind of fun. So there are no those people. And, and as long as you think that there are those people that don't belong, like, like the Jew would think about the Gentile, you're, you're not quite as good, you do this, or, or I don't know what you look, or you, you're just not like, you don't know all the Christian songs that you should know. Whatever it is, it's always going to look off until you realize there are no those people. Say it was on purpose. All right. There are no those people. There is no difference. And then sneak peek, spoiler alert, where's Paul going to go in chapter 3? He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male, no female. You are all one in Christ. If you're a Christ, you're Abraham's offspring according to his promise and heirs. So it's a gospel of inclusion, all right? And so... Um, and he goes on and says, if you preach a different gospel, if you twist the gospel, be accursed. Don't mess with the gospel. If you improve the gospel, you ruin the gospel. If you limit the gospel, you ruin the gospel. Just let it be, all right? So at Grace Life, we always like to slow down and think a little bit at the end because life moves pretty quick. If you don't stop and look around, you could miss it. Anyway, beeping things and calendars and all that. So who do you see as those people? Are you believing in an old gospel performance, achievement, discipline, recognition? Do you define yourself by what you don't do? Or, or giving yourself to Jesus, abiding in him, and thriving in whatever environment in this broken world he has placed you as a light? Big, big difference. Freedom is found for free in the gospel of Jesus. So I will close here in prayer, and then we will move on. Lord, thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you that it is free. Um, you don't give us a list of things to measure up to, but surely as we respond to you, we each come up with our own list of things we delight to do because we love you and we're responding to your goodness. So thank you for your word. I'm excited about this study in Galatians, and I pray that we would all continue to think about this, open our hearts up to what you would have us do differently, and um, as we respond to you and extend the kindness and grace to others around us. Amen.